0: Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host and I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Next to me, my co-host and
1: friend, Josh Gregory. Good to be with you, Mike. Hey, have you ever tried to budget and it just hasn't worked? I think a lot of households, budget is a dirty word. (laughs) And we don't think budgeting should get such a bad rap. Yeah. So today we're going to share our tips and tricks on budgeting this hour of Wise Money. That's
0: right. If you have a question, and, and you know, everything is anonymous, we'll are we're. I mean, we'll share your name, we wanna have some details, but no one will know it's you. I mean, when it comes to budgeting, that's kind of a personal issue, but I know a lot of people are struggling with it, just like Josh said. A lot of times people have started, tried, and failed. We're trying to address that on today's show. If you have a question, reach out to us. We'd love to address it on an upcoming show. 574-222-2000, you can call or text online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. It is an email. It gets sent directly to me and you can also catch up on previous episodes. Lastly, you can put questions on social media as well. All those come to me, uh, Facebook and Twitter and the YouTube channel at wise money radio. You can, you can access all of those. So we're starting today's program with a real question, question from Chris. Chris is actually a friend of mine from Grand Rapids. We were having a discussion recently, and he asked this question, said, hey, can I talk about this on the show? He said, absolutely. So he's 36 from Grand Rapids. He said, my wife and I haven't really been operating on a budget for the past several years, and it seems like we're at a point where now we need one. We've made some progress in our financial life, have been paying some debt off and now getting some pay increases. We need a budget to make sure we're staying on track any suggestions on how to set it up and to stick with it. And this is a great question. it's, It's a common one. And really the question is, how do you build a successful budget? And the truth is, I always say budgets are like diets. There really isn't one format that works for everyone. And my joke is always, if there was, it would have been the Atkins one because it sounded so appealing to eat a bunch of bacon and <laughs> uh, and lose weight. Uh, but there isn't one that works for everyone. It's just from a dieting standpoint, it's purely calorie count. Are you burning more calories than you're consuming? And yeah, some of the types of calories that you're consuming, all of that stuff matters, but ultimately it comes down to just math. Are you burning more calories than you're consuming? And budgeting's the same way. Are you spending more money? than you have coming in and so we're gonna run through our top five secret tips for success to help you budget and do it well and not try and fail all right let's start with tip number one not the most important i would tell you but number one automate everything except for building
1: the budget itself josh what do you say to that i i agree um you know, I th- I think people come into our office all the time and uh they want different results in their financial life and often they're they're thinking, "Boy, just just give me some action that I can take and that will somehow drive different results." And to me, it's not just an action, it's usually behavioral. It's it's a series of actions, and getting budgeting right requires consistency. Right, mm-hmm. Consistency over a long time. It needs to be a rhythm. And consistency can either come from you just being really disciplined and every day when you wake up, you just make great decisions for your life. Mm-hmm. Some people have that, mm. not me. Right? <laughs> in, in a perfect world, your great discipline will lead to great habits. And so they just kind of become good ruts in your life where you know, it's just kind of the rhythm of things. I prefer to get consistency out of a great system. Yeah, something that is a repeatable process for you. And budgeting, if, if you declare something to be a good idea in your financial life, a system or an automated process is a way to carry it out over and over and over again, like saving for retirement or for college, paying mm-hmm. the right amount on your debt. Systematize it Automate it So thankfully Due to technology
0: advances When we've got Budgeting tools out there All of our clients have one It's called WealthVision 360 There's others Like Mint or Quicken That will help you Automate your budget And so Gone are the days Where you have to Hold on to every receipt Gone are the days where you have to take that receipt at from Meyer and say, well, this was clothing and this was grocery and this was house uh, furnishings or whatever. It, all of that is automated now. And you should do that because those obstacles were obstacles to you actually doing a budget and succeeding at it. But here's the trick with this tip. Automate everything except building the budget. I see a lot of people who, and this might be you, who... and sign up for one of those electronic services that automate the budget and then you're done. And you think, okay, budget check done. No, you've gotta be tuning into that. We're gonna talk about that in just a bit, but you've gotta then be engaged and say, all right, what, what are my spending levels? Where do I need to adapt? I I did a Wise Money Minute. Those air uh, in the mornings, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on 95.3. Did one on, on this topic, and it was, all right, if you had technology that automatically counted every calorie that you consumed, would that alone help you lose weight? No, it it wouldn't. That would just give you the information that then you need to change your behavior and and react to and respond to. And so a lot of these automated online budgeting tools are great, but they'll just simply tell you how much you're spending. You then need to tune into it and say all right, I've spent too much so far this month in shopping, we need to rein that in. Or we've gone out to eat too frequently, we need to rein it in.
1: That's right. You're only going to manage what you are measuring and monitoring, Mm -hmm. right? It's not enough just to track the data. You know, I have an app running on my phone and it has been running for years now called Mint.com if you want to go check it out. It's connected to my bank accounts. Every transaction that we have feeds the data in there. If I never open that app up and actually consider, well, how much did we spend on eating out last month? Or, boy, did we stay within the budget for Christmas spending this year? Then all I have is just a bunch of data that means nothing to me because it's not driving my behavior. That's right. Really quick
0: here in this automate everything, Josh, what's your take on doing automatic bill pay, And what's your take on doing the budget expense for utilities where they average it out and you pay the same amount? What's your take on both of
1: those? You know, I I like it for people who will use it responsibly. But again, if all it does is just take uh, the, the management of your finances kind of out of your hands and put it in a computer system and you're no longer paying attention to well what is our electric bill and how much did we spend on the credit card last last month then th- the risk is is that you are on autopilot and not paying attention anymore mm-hmm. you're, you're no longer navigating your finances but the, the beauty of it is it removes a lot of the work in paying those bills yeah, it, which frees up time For you to actually do the monitoring and the adjustment as time goes on. Here's my
0: take. Let me me invite, I agree with everything you said. Let me invite just a different idea. I automate all of my savings, all of them. I don't want to have to think about that and make that conscious decision because I'm always aware of what expenses are coming up and I just might not save as much as I think maybe I could. So automate your savings, every single one. I try to limit... Automating my expenses. Mm-hmm. I want to be in control of the timing of when that payment goes out, and I want to be in control of just saying, no, wait a second, let me check what that bill actually says. That's exactly right. Yep. So so that's that's an idea. That's that's my take on it. Tip number two, I just want to introduce here, and I know Josh, for you, this might be the most important. For me, it's one of them. Tip number two for having a successful budget is plan for non-monthly expenses.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I personally think that most people's budgets break down, not because of the normal recurring monthly expenses. They, they have a good handle on that. If, if I asked you right now, what's your rent payment? What's your mortgage payment? Uh, w- what are your, your normal bills that show up in the mailbox every single month? You'd probably be able to rattle them off pretty quickly and maybe even give me a good dollar amount. The surprises that pop up that you didn't think of because they only come around quarterly or they only come around once a year. Those are the expenses, those often bigger ticket items that squeeze into a non-monthly area and you have to have an equally robust game plan for those expenses. And it's
0: not even just surprises though, because we just got through Christmas. At least in my house, it's birthday season now, Cindy's, new babies, my birthday and that's not a surprise. Uh, that happens every year, as much as I'd like to slow time down right now in this season of life. Happens every year, and are you prepared for those expenses? You need to have a system so that you are, so it doesn't break down your budget. We're going to start sharing that system with you in just a moment, as well as tip three, four, and five, how do you handle cash? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. this is wise money with Corehorn Financial Group when you're running a monthly budget what do you do with cash? what do you do with going to the ATM I where I get my haircut I absolutely love it Brent Plummer he does a fantastic job takes cash and so what do you do when you've got that in your budget that's what we're talking about today this is wise money with Corehorn Financial Group my name is Mike Bernard next to Josh Gregory in the KFG Studios just the two of us today Kevin is out he will be back next week. And if you have any questions, reach out to us, 574-222-2000 or online, wisemoneyradio.com. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of the show. We're talking about, have you ever tried to budget and failed? Are there some secrets, some tips to success? And we're running through our top five list today. First one, automate everything except for building your budget. You got to do that manually. And the second is, second tip, have a plan for non-monthly expenses. We just started that. Josh, why don't you elaborate a little bit more on what that plan really needs to look like?
1: Yeah, we said in the last segment that these are often the budget busters, right? It's these big ticket expenses that have to squeeze their way into the family cash flow, and they do it in chunks periodically, like Christmas or birthday season or Maybe you realize, boy, we have not taken a vacation in two years and I am you know, operating on fumes here. We've got to take a vacation, you think. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have a game plan far in advance of that vacation, then how will you pay for it? Are you going to just limit your spending on that vacation to whatever will squeeze into the budget that month? Or can you plan ahead and begin saving ahead for a travel fund that you are constantly feeding and then using, continually feeding and using, and it just becomes a new rhythm in life. There are a lot of categories, things like Christmas we said. What about home repairs or home improvements? Things like medical bills. Hopefully you're not spending money on medical every single month, Mm -hmm. unless it's a prescription drug or something like that. But car repairs and maintenance, clothing, car replacement is, in my opinion, one of the granddaddies of them all because, you know, That is such a huge chunk of money that you would need to go buy another vehicle if you're especially going to pay cash. What if you began saving on a regular basis a certain dollar amount for all of these items and save it into a separate bank account completely? Mm -hmm. An account that you will just, uh, almost like a cistern or a reservoir that you can go tap into when these expenses arrive and let the steady faucet of money that goes towards monthly bills be in a separate bank account. So you guys know I have several of these and I list them all out by name and
0: I have a Disney fund. And Josh, after your big Disney vacation, let me ask you, are you going to create a Disney fund? To make this a regular occurrence. I'm still a little shell-shocked by how expensive (laughs) that place can be. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about that on the air. Okay, Okay. so the point here, though, is you need to list out on an annual basis. Get proactive. That's my number one financial planning success tip. We're talking about budgeting tips right now, but just all of finances, get proactive. And get proactive. Think about the next 12 months. Think about the next 24 months and just list out all the expenses that aren't gonna happen every single month. Write down a number that you think you'll spend in that area on an annual basis, divide that by 12, and then put that sucker on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Save into those accounts on an automatic basis so then you've got that cistern, like you said, that's a good word, where when the time comes to use that money, you've got it right there. The third tip for building a successful budget, and you're gonna think this one's obvious, to me, this might be one of the biggest things that I see people struggle with is you need to track every dollar. When you're building a budget, there's no kind of offshore account. There's no, well, we just don't talk about that. I've actually had people say that as we we're talking about budgeting. No, no, we don't We don't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, no, you've got to track every dollar. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be true, even if it reveals some bad habits. Now, part of building a budget is where you can correct those. But another part of building a budget is just being real about your finances. And listen, if you want to go out to eat frequently, build that in your budget and see if everything else can fit. If it does, and that's your lifestyle, fine. Don't be ashamed about it. Track every dollar in your budget. This is where I bring up, what do you do about cash? For my budget, I have a spot in my budget that lists cash withdrawals. So I don't have to keep receipts. I hate that. I hate keeping receipts. I just know during the month, some people attire or lower for us, probably around $80 of things, you know, haircut for me, or we need cash for this tip or something like that. And so, it, about eighty dollars. We put that in the budget. So we know, yeah, we're gonna spend some cash. And as soon as it's taken out of the bank account, I assume it's spent, even if it's still sitting in my wallet. And I don't I then don't have to track receipts.
1: Okay, so when it comes to cash, in my opinion, this is where the envelope system shines, oh, right? Yes, yes. Because the problem with stuffing a bunch of money in your wallet is it's potentially still unaccountable money. Right? You you can just use it for anything. Um, It's also really easy to reload the wallet by just hitting the ATM or swinging by the local branch of the bank or whatever. So to me, the envelope system is still a form of budgeting. It's just old school method, right? It's setting aside dollars for specific purposes like eating out. Or like entertainment, some people might want to have a clothing fund, or, or something like that, or maybe even a small gift fund. Mm-hmm. Have a buddy who has a smiles fund. Nice. Have I told you about that. No, I he, need to meet him. Yeah, he, he Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got money that he budgets to give away to people. Awesome. I so, love that. whatever it is, these categories that are most um, at risk for just haphazard decisions, Um, spontaneous, impulsive decisions. Manage those using the envelope system. And in my opinion, if you set aside every week $50 for eating out, lunches or whatever, at the end of the week... If there's still money in there, let it spill over to the next week. If the money's gone, you know you spent $50 on eating out and you need to be done. I I love the the, the envelope system as a way of budgeting
0: for those... Yeah, uh, dangerous expenses. Those, those sort of elusive uh, I- expenses. And so, there's usually four of those. We've talked about those in the past. That's that's a great suggestion, Jim. You
1: know, it, it, here we are. It's still the beginning of the year. Maybe you had as one of your New Year's resolutions or a goal that you want to take an important step towards financial freedom, or you want to get some debt wiped out. Anything, any goal that is worth pursuing has cash flow implications to it, and therefore. You know, needs to have some sort of a game plan on how you're gonna deal with the cash. If you haven't done it yet, implement the envelope system this year. It will drive better results for you, I promise. That's right. And and once again, sit down
0: with your certified financial planner, have them help you with the budget. If you if you think, oh, my financial planner, my financial advisor only helps me with my investments, you probably have the wrong financial planner. Okay. They should be helping you with this, helping you reach your goals. Tip number four. Look at your budget regularly. And by that, I mean at least monthly, and I would suggest weekly. So there again, let me go back to that analogy. If you had technology that automatically counted every calorie that you put in your mouth, would that alone help you lose weight? No, it would not. You need to know, okay, wait, based on my lifestyle, I should only consume X amount of calories. Per day because I'm gonna burn X amount as well and therefore I need to make sure that I don't consume more than that same thing with your budget but you will never know how much you're consuming and whether that fell in line with your budget was better or worse unless you're checking in to your budget on a regular basis
1: you know I have a success story here Uh, a couple years ago I started working with uh, some new clients and they came in they were struggling mightily in the area of cash flow and they were really kind of in crisis living, quite frankly, mostly because of some some business downturn and, and things like that. But uh, the, the wife in this case really had handed over the budgeting to the husband because it was just too stressful trying mm. to manage the day-to-day and just the big shell game and everything. And he did a, a good job. He, he's more of a big picture thinker, though. And he was playing the games and trying to make it all work, and they survived. We were able to build in some new margin. They, they took some drastic actions in their financial life, and they have really righted the ship here. Nice. And they've now turned the finances or the budgeting over to the wife in a much better position, and she is just killing it. Awesome. It, it is so fun to see, and one of the the um, the benefits or one of the, the reasons for this, I guess, would be that they are having now a monthly date night where they review the budget. They look back and say, here's what we said we were going to spend. Here's where we actually came in. Both of them are talking about this together because of that regular review session. I've got an announcement here
0: from Wise Money here. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Poor Horn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. We are running through our top five secrets, tips to budgeting success. The most important one is coming up here in just a minute. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard, next to Josh Gregory here in the KFG studios. Thanks for being with us. Thank you also to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us to make the Wise Money Show possible. If you have any questions, a few ways you can reach out to us, 574-222-2000, you can call or text or online, wisemoneyradio.com, and social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at WisemoneyRadio. Every episode on the YouTube channel, it's also on podcasts. Check it out there if you've missed anything. We launched the show with a question from Chris saying, we've never budgeted. We need to start. How do we get this thing started? We're going to tell you our process to get it started, to start a budget for the first time or for the first time again in just a (laughs) minute. But before we do, we've got the fifth tip, which is my favorite, where we left off Josh was sharing about a success story. Some friends of his, some clients who had a hard time with budgeting, sat down for financial planning. And if you're struggling with budgeting, I'm assuming there's an urge for you to say, let me clean this up before I go show it to someone. No, find that trusted certified financial planner, go in and get help. Because as Josh said, and I, I don't know the exact strategies, but I know I've done several with clients before where you can tweak some things, and make some drastic changes to cash flow and it requires discipline and hard work but you can write that ship and now it's working well and they've instituted a budget date night we've been wanting to do this for a long time we're finally getting it started wise money university we are getting it started just on a trial basis that's why we haven't been talking about it but we had our first budgeting date night if you will uh, just a couple weeks ago, we we're going to be turning this into a monthly series. Uh, it's just kind of in beta right now, but we, again, have the Wise Money Show here to help stir up the conversation, help stir you up, and, and really uh, make this the most financially literate community on the planet. And so one way of doing that is communicating over the airwaves or online, but then also in workshop setting as well. So more to come on that, but I'm excited about that announcement. Tip number five for successful budgeting, it is the most important, in my opinion, and you'll know why. Build your goals into your budget first. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat down with folks and they're having cash flow issues. And so we start working on building a budget and I assign that as homework and they come back and they say, yep, we've been able to make it all fit. And what they've been able to make fit is just their regular monthly expenses. And then we start talking about, well, what are the big goals? Well, yeah, I want to retire at 65. Well, you're only saving 3% towards retirement. You need to be saving 15. Well, wait, I just built this budget and it worked. Now you're taking money away. What's another goal? Well, we want to help our kids with college. Okay, that's not built in your budget either. Uh, We want to do this home improvement. That's not built in your budget either. You've got to look at your goals assign values, do planning to figure out how much do you need to uh, have set aside for those areas, put those in first, and then build around it.
1: Absolutely, I I feel like that's the perfect segue really into how do you go implement all of this, right? If if we were to lay out some steps for you to take today, you just said do this first, and I agree with you. I, I think that is step number one, is establish some financial and some cash flow goals. If you're not sure how to do that, go listen to our show on setting goals. We just had one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Justin Moss was on a, yeah. as a guest, and it was, it was great content that he brought. Um, but you need to quantify what those goals are going to cost and build them into the budget, as you said. In my opinion, step number two, once you've set the goals, is you've got to set a target level of spending that's based on your take-home pay. All of our budgeting that we... All of our coaching on budgeting that we do is based on the ideas you're managing the take-home pay. Yes. Don't bother messing with the gross that comes... You know, you've got money coming off the paycheck and taxes and all that. No, what hits your bank account? We care a lot about what you're paying in
0: taxes, what your withholdings are. But when you're, when we're just looking at your present financial position in budgeting, we assume that that's all taken care of and you work off the take-home pay.
1: That's right. So if step one is establish the the goals that you're going to be achieving. Step number two is set a target level of spending. You're basically creating the parameters that you're going to live within. You cannot skip this step. It may seem like a no-brainer. Oh, well, we're just going to live on what we bring home. Congress doesn't do this, right? <laughs> they never take the step of saying, well, we're going to live within, we're going to spend up to the amount of revenue that we receive in taxes. Mm-hmm. No, they'll just spend what they want to spend and- borrow the rest. right? I want many of my clients to be thinking in terms of an 85% spending plan. And I I throw this out there more as a challenge than anything, but if you could keep your lifestyle spending, all your bills and expenses and and things like that to 85%, what you're leaving for yourself is 15% of your take-home pay that can be used for goal achievement. This is the money where all the magic happens right here in this fifteen percent it's what allows you to pay extra on debt get it Mm -hmm. wiped out faster it's a what allows you to build up that emergency fund or get started saving more aggressively for college or for retirement, pay off your mortgage early, that kind of thing, you have to have some firepower, That's right. right. You have to have margin in your life. And so by declaring together, we're going to try to build a budget that allows us to not live on every dollar that comes in you're preserving for yourself the money that will actually drive you towards financial freedom. I love that, and and that's, I'm gonna go back to step one, which
0: is establish goals, because if you need to build in some margin, that means you're gonna to need to say no to a couple of things. And what I've found, I am very frugal. Surprisingly though, I like spending money on certain things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a weird thing that my wife likes to tease me about, but I need to know what I'm saying yes to so then I can say no to the things that maybe I want to do but that just don't fit. Absolutely. So so that step 1 is what are those goals and then as you shared Josh all right you've got to then create that margin create that 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 Um, plan to only spend
1: a certain amount. Right. Yeah. That creates the context now for getting into the nuts and bolts, the actual quantifying, well, what are you going to spend on a monthly basis to start? And and so I encourage people to create a laundry list of everything that you will spend money on all 12 months out of the year. Mm. The consistent, you know, over and over regular reoccurring expenses. Those are the ones that you build in first but then move to non-monthly expenses as well, which we talked about in, in an earlier segment, the delayed spending items that we refer to.
0: If, if you haven't accounted for those and listed those out, you don't have a budget. That's, That's right. why it's part of the process here. In fact, I've seen a lot of people where it, it's really best to do that step first because you might be cutting yourself short of, well, wait, we are doing this. We're also doing this. We're also doing this. And there's no money in the budget. And so you really need to do those. What are the regular monthly expenses and what are the non-monthly delayed spending expenses and really need to do those together? That's
1: right. You could really argue that this is one step, right? Yeah. But as you said, a lot of people, they do the monthly expenses because that's what feels natural, but they lose sight of the Christmas spending or the home repairs that are inevitable, Uh, the medical expenses you know are coming, especially if you've got kids, good grief. (laughs) Um, So the point here, though, is once you have a draft in place of what you're going to spend and what you're going to set aside for non-monthly expenses, the next step is just amend, amend, amend. Nobody's budget works the first time on paper. Mm -hmm. None that I've seen anyway. Yeah, none that I've lived. Yeah, you have to go back and start making value decisions, prioritization. That's what financial planning is all about. Saying, well, there's only so many resources that we can throw towards the lifestyle we're envisioning. And um, so we're going to have to make some sacrifices. We're going to have to make some cuts. And this is... This is often where people get frustrated and run out of steam. Mm -hmm. This, in my opinion, is where having a coach working with you can help make that final push to to kind of talk through both spouses' priorities, their values, get them both represented in the final version of the budget. That's right. And you've got to track those expenses. That's baked into that
0: last step. You've got to then track what actually is happening compared to what you budgeted to then make those adjustments to see, do we need to scale back on groceries or going out to eat and make those adjustments? So... That's our process, and most likely you need a certified financial planner a coach to help you set up the right process and help coach you on all the behavior stuff after that. Speaking of behaviors, with the new tax law changes, should you make any changes to your charitable giving and your donations? We've got that question coming up from Sonia and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. With the new tax plan, does that influence, should it influence, how charitable you are? We've got that question coming up in just a second. This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, next to Josh Gregory in the KFG Studios. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've missed anything, every show is on the YouTube channel, Wise Money Radio on YouTube. Just search, check it out. It's also on podcast. I was talking to someone who enjoyed the YouTube channel and said, yeah, but I travel a lot and so it's hard for me to watch. I wish it was podcast. No, it's podcast right there. iTunes, Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. Hopefully they come up with better tech, and you can find it uh, without searching all of that. But I, I think you need to list all of that in there. You'll find it there. Also, wise20radio.com online. Every pre- previous episode's right there, and you can submit questions there as well. We've been talking about. We're going to transition into tax season questions because we're getting tons of them. But I just want to recap the secrets, the five tips of success for successful budgeting that we just ran through. And then the process of doing the budget yourself. And I just can't reiterate enough. A couple action items. One is be honest. If you could use an improvement in your in the way you're managing your monthly cash flow. But just be honest with yourself and start the process. Get started. And for some people, it's just, yeah, you know what? I know there's money slipping through the cracks. For others, like Josh shared earlier in an in a, in a, a example, it's in crisis. And so now's the time. Get started. And, and second, sit down with a financial coach, a certified financial planner who's going to analyze all six areas of your financial life To see maybe you can free up some dollars by avoiding this or delaying this or holding off on that and that can free up or restructuring certain things. Free up some dollars that can really make all the difference in the world to your financial planner and sometimes there's just some hard truth, some creativity that they can add that you might not have been able
1: to get to on yourself. Someone told me early in my career that the secret to reaching financial freedom or having financial success in your life is really simple live off less than you make and invest the difference, Mm -hmm. right? Well, living off less than you make, that's a little easier said than done for a lot of people. And it requires the discipline of managing your cash flow. And that's why I would argue that budgeting is the foundational discipline or habit that you need to build into your life. And it's the start of the year. Uh, it, we're approaching the start of a new month. There's never a better time than right now to get started in this area of budgeting. So as Kevin says, run, don't walk to your certified financial planner. Get that
0: started right now. I've got a great question here from James. He's 41. He says, my wife and I have four kids, and I'm a little concerned about how the new tax plan is going to impact me. We just got this question. His situation's a touch different. He says, we both work both making around $50,000 each. And our kids are age nine, 10, 14, and 16. It is going to impact you, James. Uh, We've talked about it, I think, even last show about how the personal exemption is going away. Now, this didn't impact your 2017 return. I'm trying to think what year we're in. It doesn't impact your 2017 return. So, I'm assuming you haven't filed your return yet for 2017. You probably will here in the next couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. It's not going to impact that. But a year from now, yeah, the personal exemption of around $4,000 that you get for every head in the family. Josh calls this the head count deduction. Uh, that's gone. That's gone. Good news for you, James, is that the kids ages 9, 10, and 14... You'll now get a biggered child child tax credit. Credit, <laughs> it's going from one thousand to two thousand, and that really should offset that loss of deduction. Now you're a sixteen-year-old, not so much.
1: Yeah, assuming uh, that he didn't just turn sixteen in January or something. Right. Uh, but in the year that they turn seventeen, you lose that child tax credit, and that's a two thousand dollar loss now. Yeah. Used to be a thousand dollars. And in the
0: old world, you still claim them as a dependent, so you'd still get that deduction for them. You would just lose that credit, and uh, and now the, the whole okay, and caboodle's gone away. Let me tell you, in the um, drama of this whole tax reform, if you want to call it that, they had discussed moving that child tax credit down from 17 to 16, which I probably would have just up and moved to Canada if they did that. I mean, that <laughs> would have been <laughs> ridiculous. Why? Why would you have done that? But they were they were talking about it for a while. So
1: Everybody's threatening to move to Canada I these days. I love Canada. Yes. Yeah. Even this time of year? Sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I
0: I went to school in upstate New York for a while, played a little hockey out there, and went to Montreal quite a bit, and Toronto. A lot of my friends were from London, Ontario, that is. But, yeah, beautiful. Tim Hortons. Um, James, really the, the point here is your questions, everyone's question right now. And that is, how's the new tax plan going to impact me? You need tax planning and, and everyone does. You guys know my three rules every time you're doing your taxes. Number one, what happened and why? Okay. And then second, is there anything that I can do right now to improve what just happened? And then three, what's going to happen this upcoming year and what should I be doing about it? You've got to answer all of those questions. Now is the right time to be talking to your CPA and not, or, and certified financial planner about that. Sonia's got a great question and we're going to address it from two different angles here. Here's what she asked. For several years we have donated money to different charity organizations and I'm wondering if that will still help me on my taxes after these recent tax changes. We made some special donations at the end of 2017, so I know it's too late to do more for last year, but I'm curious what my husband and I should do moving forward.
1: Well, you're exactly right. Uh, Contributions to a charity have to be done by the end of the calendar year, so 2017's charitable giving is done. Yep. Now we're talking about 2018, and, and you're asking, well, will I get any kind of tax lift for it? I think it's important to understand where on the tax return you will get a benefit if you get a benefit. And uh, we try to keep this uh, show jargon-free. We fail miserably (laughs) some days. Most days. When we're talking taxes, it's really hard. Um, There's an area of your tax return. It gets its own form, its own sheet. It's very early in the tax return called a Schedule A. This is where you itemize your deductions. I think of it as an opportunity for you to build your own write-off. The government gives you an option that you can just take, an automatic option called a standard deduction. And the question is always, can I build my own and have it be a better tax impact than just using the one that the government offers me? Mm -hmm. Well, that standard deduction, the automatic freebie option, has just nearly doubled. Yeah, right? I mean, dramatic increase. It used to be 12,000 and change, now it's 24, so just about double. That's right. Um, so for for many people, it's now more difficult for them to build their own list of expenses and have it get up above what the government is offering but, and actually, you know, improve their tax picture.
0: But I'm so glad Sonia you asked this question because many people have heard that and then have just assumed, well, You can't itemize anymore. And there's no use in donating money or tracking receipts or anything else. You just shouldn't do that anymore. No, it's still there. And for many people, you'll still be able to get a better deduction than taking the standard. I, I would dare say a lot of people. And that's one of the previous biggest mistakes people would make on their on their taxes as they would just take the freebie and not worry about listing everything out. I think that risk is even greater now. In an attempt to air quotes here, make your taxes easier. They've doubled this this deduction almost, but still make that list. Your charitable contributions very likely will still very much help you on your taxes, assuming you itemize. And many
1: people still will. Well, and the types of things that you can write off in order to build your own are still things like your real estate taxes, your state and local income taxes, but now there's a cap on that number. Mm -hmm. You can only write off up to 10 grand of it. Still mortgage interest, still charitable contributions. If all of that combines to a bigger number than the standard deduction, then you will get a little bit of a lift, and and I just think it's getting a bad rap right now. As as
0: everyone's talking about tax reform, they're just saying, "Oh well, you you know that stuff's not going to help you anymore." No, it still will. I, I you know we we do about two thousand tax returns a year at, here at KFG. Josh and I look at a lot of them, and we help review them and deliver them to folks, explain what's going on, go through those three rules that I mentioned, and there's going to be a lot of people where they'll
1: you'll still benefit from itemizing. Don't lose uh, sight of the fact, though, why you give. You're not giving for the tax write-off. You're giving because you believe in the mission of that organization. You believe that these dollars can have a bigger impact that goes beyond you. And you think to yourself, what if that organization didn't exist? What would be so bad? And you don't like the answer. but That's why you give, not because of the tax benefit. And that's
0: a perfect note to end on. Thanks for the question, James and Sonia. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Josh Gregory and myself and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management LLC. Doing business has Corehorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.